0: I told you Nancy Wade, Reagan is the one that did the intervention. What? With uh with um Johnny Mathis. Didn't I tell you? Come on, stop. No, we she didn't... did an inv- inter- She's inter- the one that told Johnny Mathis I think you have a
1: problem. No oh no, I don't know this story. Nancy Reagan to- We
0: I could have sworn I could have sworn that we talked about Johnny Mathis and his alcoholism. I don't remember this. I don't remember this, Vince. Oh, how did we not? How did, how did, w- Talk about Johnny Mathis and his alcoholism.
1: Chances are. So, Johnny Mathis that I wear is an alcoholic. Because that's vodka on my
0: lips. See, but that's the thing. This is what is so wild about Johnny Mathis being an alcoholic. What? Johnny Mathis's alcohol of choice, champagne.
1: Oh, I kind of
0: remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, get drunk off of champagne. How much champagne are shoes- you drinking <laughs> <laughs> that someone has to step in <laughs> say, and say, <laughs> Johnny, You're I think you have a problem. So, Nancy Reagan is the one that told him. And Nancy Reagan is his very good friend, Nancy Reagan, told Johnny Mathis, Johnny, I think you have a problem. Because Johnny Mathis was drinking so much champagne that it was an issue. So, now I have questions like, was Johnny Mathis sneaking champagne? <laughs> Like, was Johnny Mathis putting champagne in like Sprite bottles? <laughs> that is, does Johnny Mathis have did he have a stash of champagne? A
1: stash of oh, wow. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be this wrong. That'd be wrong. If you like ducking into the bathroom to drink champagne <laughs> and opening
0: up the back of the toilet seat, and it's like champagne. And it's Johnny Mathis, so you know it was actually champagne. It was like it wasn't sparkling wine. This mm -hmm. was champagne from the village of champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This
1: wasn't champagne.
0: Right. This was the real deal. That is the most Las Vegas story I think I may have ever heard. See, wait a minute. See, now, but you're saying that it's Las Vegas, because now I'm like, what's Nancy Reagan doing in Las Vegas? Right and I think he actually lived in Hollywood Hills. He just like I think of like those big well, yeah, but old I Hollywoody. No, no he probably did live in Hollywood Hills but Johnny Mathis certainly
1: from at least the 70s and 80s made his money in Las Vegas. Right right right. So right. I'm like where is the, the connection with him and Nancy? Reagan? I mean they're old Hollywood.
0: Yeah, like Johnny Mathis been Johnny Mathis since like 1950. That's true. Yeah, they're old
1: Hollywood. And Nancy Reagan was at least some kind of a name.
0: Well, she was married to. And she was Ron- married, right? They're old Hollywood. And Ronald Reagan was definitely okay. All right. So, right, Johnny Mathis and Nancy Reagan hang out, and Nancy Reagan noticed that Johnny Mathis was drinking a lot of champagne. Also, wasn't a lot of brothers
1: inviting Johnny Mathis to no parties.
0: <laughs> so, I'm trying to see, like, hey, let's be. Very crystal clear. If I got a chance to hang out with Johnny Mathis, I'd very much hang out with Johnny Mathis.
1: I would not hang out with Johnny
0: Mathis. Oh, I'd so hang out with Johnny Mathis.
1: Johnny Mathis doesn't doesn't sound like it would be our party.
0: Oh, Johnny Mathis is probably a great storyteller. Are you serious? He does not look like a great Dude, storyteller. Johnny Mathis has been Johnny Mathis since the 50s. So what? That doesn't mean I don't think he's a great storyteller. I teller. bet he's a great storyteller. Mm. I bet he knows mm-hmm. where the best steakhouse is in Hollywood. Mm-mm. He probably gets a good table. Mm-mm. Johnny Mathis will probably find you a good cigar. Mm-mm. Johnny Mathis Mm-mm. knows where the art galleries are. Alright. He knows where the art galleries I are. I would hang out with you. I'm going to tell you what. If you get a chance to hang out with Johnny Mathis, you better hang out with Johnny Mathis. I'm not hanging out with Johnny Mathis. Johnny Mathis? I'll
1: hang out with you. Have fun. (laughs) I'm not hanging out with Johnny Mathis. I'm trying to think of, like, who's still around from that
0: time. Look at me. I'm as helpless as a kitten in a tree. (laughs) Stop. That's terrible. Don't do that. He he, He doesn't drink anymore. He stopped. <laughs> right, I believe that. You know, the funny thing, I was in Las Vegas there's maybe a, a funny six, thing. seven. So, nine, so you were just serious, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> yeah, maybe about six, seven years ago, <laughs> we were in Las Vegas, and I was actually looking for one of those old Las Vegas shows, and I couldn't find anything. It was all Cirque du Soleil and Wayne Newton's still not performing. I could not find Wayne Newton, and I think Andy Williams had just died. Hey, well, I would never go see Andy Williams. Oh, I was gonna see. I wanted to see Andy Williams, Wayne Newton, and I didn't know if Stephen Eddy still had a show or not. No, they but don't. I was gonna go see Stephen Edie. No, and I would not pay for Stephen show. I would pay to see any well, of them old Las Vegas people.
1: Now, if if anything, I would pay for Wayne Newton. Absolutely, I would pay for Wayne Newton, Andy Williams. Eh, he's corny. <gasps> Paul Anka. Paul
0: Anchor. That's probably Anka's a good show. And he's got the stories. Yeah.
1: And now that now that you mentioned it, Steve and Edie might not be bad. That's probably a good show.
0: Because because I
1: think Steve has a lot of stories. Yeah. Steve's got stories and 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 I, from what I understand, listening to old Hollywood like podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. Steve is not. It's, is um doesn't mind sharing his stories and you know he knows where the bodies are buried oh he knows where a lot of the bodies are buried now who else I would have seen unfortunately I think they died maybe within the last couple of years was uh, Don Rickles I would have seen Don Rickles
0: I never really liked, I respected Don Rickles but I never really dug him never really dug him I, was still, I would also go see and I think he's retired now mm-hmm. uh, Bob Newhart oh, well, that would have been great. Yeah, I love Bob. Yeah, I don't think of Bob Newhart when I think of Las Vegas, though.
1: No, I understand that. Yeah.
0: And, and he wasn't really, like, in that world, except that he just did shows there. Right. You know, but uh, let uh, me tell you something. If you had gotten a chance to see Andy Williams singing Moon River live, you'd have been a believer. Moon River What? Someday, old oh dream maker, you are Did you see him sing a Moon River? Well, no, but I like even recordings of him like you see him singing Moon River. I'm He's not even the best version of Moon River. Hey man. I can't think of any other version. I was about to say, who does a better version of Moon River <laughs> than Andy Williams? I can't think of any other version. <laughs> no, wait a minute. There you go. There's a Michelle <laughs> mission. <laughs> Don't nobody sing Moon River better than Andy Williams? <laughs> I, bet, I bet there is somebody else <laughs> that can sing that's better.
1: I mean, it probably is. Yeah, I bet Sammy's probably done it. Sammy, is, Sammy sang Sammy Red did. Fox. He said Sanford and Son. Yeah, yeah. So he probably sang Moon River. He probably sang
0: Moon River. Got you. Got you. Are you ready to start the show? Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm just, I don't know how we get this. Johnny Mathis story, like everyone, that's how come I couldn't believe I hadn't told you because i read this like a month ago like you know how on pbs they have the you know they have the the telethons and they were playing johnny mathis and i love johnny mathis so i was watching it and we were watching it and then i said well let me you know read about johnny mathis and he was on like like he was he was on 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 60 minutes or CB like there was a an interview with him Mm -hmm. you know just talking about being an openly gay black man now and sort of going on and I just started reading about Johnny Mathis and I saw this story about Nancy Reakin staging an intervention for his champagne drinking and I've been obsessed with it for like a month you kid obsessed with stuff that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard like how are you an alcoholic and your drink of choice is champagne how much champagne are you drinking like, how many mimosas have you ever had and gotten... Like, how many mimosas do you have to drink? to? Have you ever gotten tipsy off of mimosas? No. Me either! I've never even finished a mimosa because I don't like it. How much champagne are you
1: drinking? Here's the thing about Johnny Mathis. <laughs> and then we'll get to the show. And then we'll get to the show! Then we'll get to the show! Here's the other <laughs> thing about Johnny Mathis. It's always been and and... Hopefully, you know, we have some listeners that are in our age group. like, oh, they're talking about Johnny Mathis. Because a lot of them are going to be like, who?
0: I suspect no one is sitting. I suspect no one is sitting anywhere. There's not one listener going, oh, they're talking about Johnny Mathis. No, I'm sure. There's a lot of fa- fast forward. They're still talking about Johnny <laughs> Mathis. It's like you hit that button 15 second. Fast forward 15 second. I cannot believe they're still talking about Johnny Mathis. Here's the thing about Johnny Mathis.
1: <laughs> I always got the impression from him that he was not someone who, at his height, mm-hmm. claimed
0: his blackness. I think he did. did I, he? I think a lot of it was very. Because well, he always came off a little OJ to me. That's what's kind of fascinating about him. How he, like, he walked this. Really, he's really more Sammy Davis Jr. than OJ. Okay. Where I think he walked this really fine line mm. of how he defined himself, how the record companies defined him, mm-hmm. you know, how he kind of sat in it. Okay. And, you know, and part of it was the type of music that he made that didn't necessarily have the blackest, you, what, you sure. know, the blackest fan base. And then again, it's not like Tab Hunter. Where mm-hmm. where they you know they always had Tab Hunter and, and these other other um actors with with these dates. Mm. There's Tab Hunter with a young starlet. Right. Could she be the one? Like, you know, Johnny Mathis was always by himself and and, and you know, although he was never you know, he never wore t shirts and anything, I don't know how closeted Johnny Mathis was. Okay, yeah. So yeah. That, coupled with race, he kind of occupied this really unique space. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I think O.J. Simpson is, is actually self-loathing. Yes. So yes. I'm not ready to put, I wouldn't put Johnny Mathis in that slot. Okay. I think Johnny Mathis is this really unique case. I and mean, then, you know, he made out with Denise Williams, which was real black. Too much, too little, too late again It's funny you bring up Denise Williams Because I was just <laughs> And then he and Denise Williams Did the theme song To, to uh, a family toss
1: Oh, that's right What we will we do, it? baby Without us What will oh, we do, baby Because Denise Williams went high Without <laughs> we us Well, there ain't no nothing We, we can love each of us Oh, what would we do, baby? Without, Without us. <gasps> yeah, so you know. All
0: right, all right. All right,
1: all right, Johnny. Hi, <laughs> right, Johnny. I'm back on your jock, Johnny.
0: All right, I'm back. Johnny Mathis, I'm man. On your jo- maybe, maybe I could hang out with Johnny. Oh. Oh, I rocks with Johnny Mathis uh, hey, hard. You know what? Okay. That, that, you know, the Denise Williams sold you. That got me in the car. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. got me in the car. I don't know, bitch. Where y'all going?
1: <laughs> You're like, what would you do? I'm like, all right. Here yeah, I come. Yeah, yeah. move over. All right. I'm, there, I'm in the car. I'm like, all right. Where was I going?
0: You said speaking of Denise Williams.
1: <laughs> all right, never mind. We
0: never mind. We got to get <laughs>
1: Sha la 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 Welcome to our new podcast, (laughs) Tangents.
0: Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast every black film ever made i am your host vincent williams joined as always by yo what's up holler at your boy this is len aka the bat Tribble. and on this first stop in the year of our lord 2019 yeah we will be luxuriating in the latest film but i'm ready to call him master filmmaker like i'll just go ahead and skip ahead Master filmmaker, Barry Jenkins, and his adaptation of James Baldwin's novel, If Beale Street Could Talk. Yes. But as it is, the new year, and happy new year to all the missionaries, and happy new year to you, Lynn. Happy new year, Vince. Happy new year, missionaries. Um, let's start off the right way with some words from the missionaries. Well, do we why got, don't Lynn? we do
1: that? Um, we got a couple of emails here that uh, we we want to go through. It's an interesting email that we got from Ryan Sands.
0: Hey, what's up, Ryan?
1: <laughs> um, of Marvel's Runaways, which is available on Hulu. Yes. Which I'm actually Season two. I'm actually in the midst of season two. Yeah. As as we as we speak. Here's the other here's one thing about Ryan that I did not I don't think I ever truly appreciated. Okay. Until this season. Okay. He's a huge man. Not a small man. Not a small man. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we recently uh, just you know a little uh, see how the sausage is made ladies and gentlemen. We recently just moved our recording space um to the same house, a different room. We're now in my little my little uh basement office that I I've, I've set up here. So Do we,
0: we call it a bat cave.
1: Well, I call it Bat Base Alpha.
0: All right.
1: Um it, it's still a work in progress, so uh, hopefully you won't hear too much of a, a difference uh, acoustically. Um, but, uh, but watching that that episode, and I know we've talked about, you know, the possibility of Ryan joining us on the Michelle. mission. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I'm going to need a bigger room. <laughs> he is uh he's a, he's
0: a, I mean. That's a lot, that's a lot of Negro. Hey, man, the Wilders are nothing to play with. <laughs> wow. And you can see. Um but he, a, he, he inhabits that role very well. He's a he's a good fan good fan of the show.
1: And um it's, it's interesting there's something in this email that he 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 hit us up about. He was driving around New York recently listening to us um discuss the masterpiece Death by Temptation. Yes. Obviously he has dropped a barbell on his head once or twice. <laughs> um just jokes, Ryan. Uh, and he said he said that while he was listening, he got a weird notification on his phone. He he. Uh, now I'm unfamiliar with Marco Polo. I've never really used the app. I just downloaded it because my mothers and sisters are using it. I don't know if it was listening to y'all or picking up on my brain waves or what. That kind of freaked me out. So I'm deleting Marco Polo now. I wish you you and your guys and your families a happy and safe holiday se- season. Talk
0: to you soon. That happens to me all the time. Listening to the show triggers Marco Polo. Not Marco Polo, but but you know the um Oh, I just forgot what's her name's name on the iPhone. Siri. Siri. Mm. Yeah, Siri gets activated all the time. And it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty creepy.
1: I, I well I don't have a like uh Apple so I don't
0: have that. Yeah, you don't have a personal assistant on your phone like one of those
1: like Google Assistant. Right.
0: So and you've never activated the Google Assistant? No,
1: I'm not all into that talk to text stuff.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, it's pretty creepy.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I don't I don't like that. Yeah. Like cuz I think you're telling them too much information. It's bad enough that you find out that your phone is listening to you. Yes. You know what I mean? So like I don't I'm going to talk to you too. Right, right, no, right. No, no. No. So but his whole thing about the Marco Polo sparking up that 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 is kind of weird. My sister uses uses Marco Polo her okay. and her husband. So that I see them always like Marco Poloing to each other. It's mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a, that's basically a FaceTime. Sure, sure. Know? And I'm and I don't I don't understand what the fascination is of it is um like he says his mother and sister use it. My sister use it. So maybe it's a woman thing hmm I don't know. But you were right to delete it, Ryan.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, my sister yeah. keeps
1: telling me to get it. And I'm like, yeah.
0: When our AI robot overlords take over, I'm going to have a better job in the Silicon Mines than you. Because they're going to re- remember all of this. I welcome our AI android overlords. <laughs> yeah, you and <on> Johnny Mathis.
1: <laughs> we also heard from Patrick De, delu Bonza. And I may be mispronouncing his... Uh, Name. I'd hey, Patrick. Say. My name is Patrick, and I'm a longtime listener of the Michelle Mission. The Straight Out of Compton episode is one of my favorites. Oh, old school episode. Thanks for your time and have a great day, best Patrick.
0: Thank you, Patrick. Oh, that's cool. The Straight Out of Compton. Episode. It's wow. like our second episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wait it, a minute. It was our first exposure to the Wrath of Lynn.
1: Yeah, true. But I would like to think that we've gotten better since our <laughs> second episode. He said it's one of his favorite episodes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the one that came right immediately to his lips, though. That's, that's, that's interesting.
0: That's interesting. Right. I mean,
1: I even think I've had better rants
0: right. than I did on stage. You have had better rants. I did. I, you know But what? that was a good rant. I I saw
1: that movie again recently. And you, <sighs> and you almost had some oh. type of fit. I got so mad. Mm-hmm. I got so mad at that. <laughs> um, so Patrick, uh, thank you. Thank you. And we will follow up. He actually um, uh, proposed a uh, potential guest for our show.
0: Ooh, yeah. So we'll, very we'll nice. have to follow
1: up with Patrick about that. So pa- Excellent. So check that out. Um, did you see that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Took home the Golden Globe the other night. I did. I was
0: very, very best happy. Animated feature. I did. I did. I well was deserved. Very, well, well deserved. Well, deserved. saw it again over the holidays, and it's even better the second time. Yeah, that is really a very.
1: Very very good movie. Um, I believe the, uh, Regina King also.
0: Regina King also won. W- won for if Beale Street if could... Beale Street could talk. Now here's the here's the other. Just want to circle. Want to go ahead and note this. Went and saw um, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse with a bunch of my little cousins, mm-hmm. nieces, and nephews. My son's first film.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. So, so,
0: ha- so he's how... turning three in February. So he's two. We took him. How he do, do? He did amazing. Yeah. He watched the whole thing. He cried out at the right times. He said, Oh no. We looked like, like he had a ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's my boy. Now, now, did you
1: so this was his first time at the movies. At the movies. At the right. movies with you. So did you like what was the snack situation? How'd you hook him up? Uh popcorn. You gave him pop- pop- yeah, popcorn you know, butter.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. You know, I'm a traditionalist. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, did he have his own popcorn? No, no. I think he ate out of my wife's.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, then he just, you know, just handed over the cup for him to drink.
0: Right. All right. All right. Cool. That's cool. It was very cool. That's it was very cool. I mean, you know, it was a couple of weeks after it came come out, which mm-hmm. is the only reason I even said, cause you know, the theater was kind of, it was like a weekday
1: yeah, that's, and the theater was
0: kind of empty, mm-hmm. but he had a ball. That's nice, man. Yeah. Oh well, so, all right. I just want to get that recorded for posterity.
1: Well, look at that, Spider Man into the Spider Verse yes, breaking just, barriers. Yes, you know, that's that's
0: cool. That's really dope. But Regina King won the Golden Glover, If Beale Street Could Talk.
1: Now here's the other here's the other thing that
0: that um, was interesting. You know, in
1: light of our conversation, I believe on our last 2018 episode, okay, about Green Book. Yes, because Green Book, yeah, uh, won, won for f- best feature mm-hmm. in a drama. Yeah, and Murtashaala Ali won. Yes, he did for best actor. Yeah, in a drama. But Bill um, uh, Green Book also won for best screenplay. Yes, and they don't in the Golden Globes. They don't do like adapted screenplay or or sing, just a screenplay. They lump them all together. Okay, right. So Green Book. One for screenplay over if Bill Street could talk. Yes. That makes absolutely no sense. To
0: me. I mean, I've not seen Green Book, so I can't speak on Green Book, but you know how I feel about these award shows generally.
1: Well, I have seen Green Book, uh, and it basically is just, it's what you think it is.
0: Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? There's nothing. So like- the, the screenplay is not. No. At all. No. Well, you know. No. Golden Globes, man.
1: Well, we've wasted a lot of time with Johnny Mathis before
0: the show. So haven't wasted time? We've, <laughs> we've, we've wasted time. We haven't talked about Bandersnatch. We haven't talked about- Well, I haven't watched-
1: I haven't seen Bandersnatch. Bird
0: Box? I'm Bird? not
1: going to watch Bird Box.
0: We haven't talked about- What else is going on that the people are talking about?
1: Well, nobody's talking about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
0: Nobody's talking about I loved one.
1: it. I just finished season two.
0: Oh, okay. I, Somebody, I think, like Christopher Goodnight, likes the marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
1: Okay. Right.
0: Um. Then I'm in good company. There you go. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. But marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I didn't think I would like that show. Okay. And yes, the lead character is a little, uh, uh, grating sometimes. Okay. But that's by nature of her acting. Right, the, the right, char- right. It's the character. It's sure. Not, it's not her. Sure. But I absolutely love this show, and. You know how much we cape up for Regina King. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Right? Regina King is always is just always a treasure to behold. In the um Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Alex Bornstein, who played who plays Susie in that in that show, is like the reason that gets me in the door. Right. Yeah. Because she says fantastic. But the person who I defy you to come up with has ever given a bad performance. Okay. Is Tony Shaloub. Oh yeah. Tony Shaloub is the truth. He plays the father in that show. Okay. He is so, so funny, so amazing. But I watching the second season, it made me think, I don't think I've ever seen him do bad. He's been in things that I necessarily might necessarily not Right, right, but he is watch. sort
0: of a, you know appropriately enough cuz we're just coming out of that season a gift that keeps on giving. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, the man is a
0: beast, man. Yeah, absolutely. I love me some Tony Shalhoub. And and The
1: Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's it's funny. It's good. It's, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's funny show. All right. All right. Let's get into our review of If Beale Street Could Talk. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jaquise Neal and Edgar Montplacier. The best way to eat a taco. No. Oh. What's the best
0: way to eat a taco? That's with your hands. With your hands. Also with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. That's so it. that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce.
1: Drumming my pain with his fingers. You ready for this? Singing my life with
0: his
1: I've never been more ready for anything in my whole
0: life. with
1: <laughs> We are drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fanny's baby.
0: <laughs> I hope it's a boy.
1: We're gonna have a baby. I'll we'll have you out of here before this.
0: sure about that? You're not by yourself.
1: Our children, and we gotta set them free. La, la, la,
0: la. Gotta hold our baby in my I'm with you. Oh, you trusted love this far. Oh, Trust it all the way. With song. If Beale Street could talk based on the 1974 novel by James Baldwin follows Tish, a 19-year-old newly engaged Harlem woman who races against the clock to prove her lover's innocence, Fonnie, while carrying their first born child. Again, it is based on the novel by James Baldwin with a screenplay written by director Barry Jenkins. It stars Kiki Lane at I'm sorry, yes, Kiki Lane as Tish Stephen James as Alonzo, Fonnie Hunt Regina King as Sharon Rivers, Tish's mother, Coleman Domingo as Joseph Rivers Tish's father Tiana Parish as Ernestine Rivers Tish's sister, Michael Beach as Frank, Fonnie's father, with Supporting roles, maybe extended cameos by Agenine Ellis as Mrs. Hunt, Fani's father, and a great, great moment by Brian Tyree Henry as their friend Daniel, If Beale Street Could Talk, directed, written by Barry Jenkins, was the choice of Lynn Webb. First of all, let me say this.
1: If you are listening to this podcast, trying to make up your mind of whether or not you need to see if Bill Street could talk, hit pause right now and go see if Bill Street could talk. Mm. Then come back and listen to us talk about this film. You in your in in the beginning, you talked about how. Um, you, what word did you use? You used the word luxurious mm-hmm. to describe this film. And I thought that was actually very, like, that That was like a like, synchronicity between us. Because when I was watching the movie in the theater, the word that just kept coming to my mind was lush. Mm-hmm. Um, Just, there was just, um, it, it, it's just a beautiful film in every aspect of the word from its look, from the pictures that it paints, from the screenplay, from the direction, from the acting. Everything about this movie is meticulous. It's smart. It's, um, it's intelligent. And it is very much riveting. It also is a sobering tale. Mm. Um, And we'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, But in watching this film, the thing that I just the thing that just kept uh, like I kept getting lost in was in some of the smart Choices that this movie made, um, direction wise, mm-hmm. like the, just from the opening shot, which is this extremely beautiful crane shot of mm. this couple just walking along a path. I thought, like, I thought it was just like, oh my god, this, this is. This is beautiful. It's just, just, just the framing of it was just bringing us as as that crane just brought you into their world. Um, the way that this screenplay plays with time, bouncing back and forth in between the uh, in between this story, essentially of this transformative day Mm. in their life. Um, And the commentary that that day has on their future. Uh, And as you keep learning a little bit more and more about what happened in this day uh, and how it changes, how it changes your viewpoint on some of the the characters in there and their situations um it was just really just really smart and and expertly done i found myself watching this movie like i don't know how i'm going to how can i explain what this movie means because and once it's this beautiful romance, is this beautiful love story right. that is told in such an honest and open way. It's a love story between these two kids, 19 and 20-something years old, 22 years old. Yeah, 22,
0: Fonny's 22.
1: It's a love story between these two kids and how they, you know, it's a the story as old as time because they were best friends right. that grew as friends into lovers into fully appreciating one another, right? Fully appreciating and 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 in that appreciation, fully appreciating uh, each other's circumstance. That you know, Tish seemingly did not grow up the same way that Fani did under the same circumstances, as far as like a full family structure and everything like that. Yet there being a respectful for one another and Fani fighting whatever influences, because you don't really get a, you don't get like a, you get, well, you get a, you get a look into his, his, his family and his family seems extremely fractured. Yeah. <laughs> extremely fractured. Uh, and yet, that fracturedness doesn't doesn't define him. It, it seemed to me that he raised above those circumstances. Right? You know what I mean. It seemed to me that he he in a family that is like like really. Like strange with his father, who his mother, who seemed to not be a, not together anymore. Um, at least that's the the image that was painted to me. Um, but his mother being extremely devoted, extremely religious, um, fanatical, even, and raising his his sisters in that way. And his father, let's just say, not religious. Um, that. Fani kind of like walks the middle between the middle ground between them and finds his quote unquote spirituality um, his focus in art right in 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 sculpting uh, and watching what that means to him and and what he gets out of it I thought was was like really Really smart. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's pulled directly from the book. You know, James Ball. Yeah,
0: yeah, book. yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, but I, I still thought that was just smart and and smartly done because it's not. You don't. You're not hit over the head with anything. No. And 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 that's a beautiful thing I, I like about Barry Jenkins and his screenplays and all of his movies. I don't think you ever hit over the head with stuff. Right. You just presented it uh, in such a way, in a, in in a digestible way. And you digested it in and then everything else informs upon itself. And that's what happened in this movie as well. Um, and you can't help but just be taken in by the, the instantaneous chemistry between Stephen James and Kiki Lane as Tish and Fonny. Um You can't help but be taken in by the the setting in which this is is set you know 19 what six, Se-
0: no it's like 70, 70 72, 72 73. 73 yeah
1: in 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 new york right um and and it and it it, it and that just feels like come to life on the screen a little bit uh and i like that outside of one character there's is nobody that is played um, at least in my eyes like like this is generally I'm sorry I, I, I feel like I'm talking all over the place but this is how I just how this movie just left me mm-hmm. um, all of the characters in the movie all of the like ancillary characters the side characters that, that you meet all, especially when you dig more into Fani's world mm-hmm. you know and his friends in that world um, they all seem to come a, of a like, be of a like mind, yet in in a lesser film, or, or a film maybe in lesser hands, I think they could have easily come across as very stereotypical. Right. And you don't that trap is not you don't fall into that trap, right? Even those small characters—the guy that rents them the the loft, the the guy that lets them come and eat at the restaurant—even them, in some small way, are still fully formed characters. Absolutely, still fully fully formed set pieces. Um, and I just I just enj- enjoyed that. I enjoyed the hell out of that. And then you talk about the performances. I mean, I talked about Stephen James and and Kiki Lane. Um, and, and Michael Beach, yes. who, if you only, you just saw him, it, it's so funny. You just saw him, you know, blow himself up in a submarine in Aquaman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now it's almost like, you know, all right, I did one for them and now I'm doing one for us. And right. And now you just, you just see the full range of this of this man who has been and you have pointed this out before one of the one of those uh, you know solid character actors mm-hmm. throughout his entire career mm-hmm. you know and in everything he's going to do do, he's always going to bring a certain level of competency and gravitas and in this film he really does bring it um, and I think he has, you know, um, it 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 bleeds off the screen. But I think the real reason it bleeds off the screen is because a lot of his scenes are done opposite Coleman Domingo.
0: Oh my god!
1: And let me tell you, <laughs> if you, ladies and gentlemen. Are not familiar with Coleman Domingo because he's a man who who does a lot of film work, but he's made his mark on the stage
0: mm-hmm. for
1: the most part. Um, I and I I have to honestly say that I really fully was introduced to him only a few years ago uh, when I went to see him in the Scottsboro Boys. Okay, and I was like, "Oh, where have you been all my life?" I I, I was missing because you were just doing work, bro. right? Uh, but when. It, it, that, that man d- t- dude it, that man is just just riveting. Oh yeah. You cannot take your eyes off him. He completely owns the character of Tish's father and everything that he does. Everything that he does. When he's when he when he even has to just face down with the being told early in the film about tisha's pregnancy yeah you see the full gamut of emotion on his face
0: such a great scene
1: he I mean it within like that yeah and you see it you know what I mean and and and, and you see it because you see the the, the bit of Anger, the bit of heartbreak, the bit of disappointment, then the bit uh, bit of uh you know reconciliation, you know resignation, and it's my baby girl. My baby girl's a woman, yeah. You know, um, and you also see, you also see that that light go on in his eyes. Like, I, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go do some work. You know what I mean? Yes. And and work has to be, has to get done, and 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 because you see that in him you can see why you see that in everyone in his in his family they right. feel like a family mm-hmm. they feel like a a lived in unit from Tish who with her never say die attitude about trying to pull Fani out of this circumstance from you know her sister Tiana Paris who yo I need, I need Tiana Paris in my life. Oh, my God. Because she is ride or die. She, yeah. She is ride or die. And that is a woman that Hollywood is sleeping on. She needs to be doing so much more work because that woman is just a beast, a beast. Uh, she, she just, everything that I've seen her do, she owns the character. She's not always in the best projects, but when I see her, she's owning her work. You know what I mean? Um, and then you, you get to Regina King and Regina King, I'm just going to spot out one scene and one scene only. in the Near the beginning of this film, when you see her kind of commiserating with Tish and Tish has to find a way to break it to her mom that she is pregnant. Yes. And Regina King is in, in the kitchen, has her back to Tish, and Tish says mama, and Regina King's as her mother, does not turn around. Does not really make any type of movement at all. But you knew, you could tell she knew what was coming. Just the body language. The body language. She knew exactly what was coming, what was going to be said. Like you said, from the back.
0: Yes. From,
1: from, From the... And I mean the back. Yeah. You knew exactly what was coming. And when she turns around and says... They don't even go from there. You don't even have to see it because it's all in her face. Yeah. It's all in her all in her face. Um, I mean, Regina King is just I I I can only hope that watching the watching this film, that Kiki Lane, who in her defense, this is really like her coming out party. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, as an actress. Um and Tiana Paris, who has been out there for a few years yeah. doing work, but hasn't had like that that one catapulting role yet. I can only hope that the two of them, you know, just sat down and just like sucked on the knowledge yeah. from Regina King.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because she gives a master's class in everything that she does you know there's a little cart there's, there's some a- aspects of the film that are a little bit of cartoony and I think that deliberately so the the whole uh, Fonny's mother and the sisters you know they play their part and they play it well I think there's a little, little caricature drawn but I think that's the aspect of the movie for what they're supposed to present and Quiet is Kept we all know people like that I was
0: about to say I don't know how much of a caricature that is
1: um but at the end of the day this is a oh just a a beautiful love story that also acts as a gut punch of reality mm. especially when you get to then the other inc- incredible performance and scene in this film and that is the dialogue between funny and Brian Tyree Henry's character, whose name I'm I'm drawing a blank on, uh, the character's name Daniel. Ma- Daniel, man, if that scene one doesn't it is not a, in many ways it's going to be a revelation for people mm-hmm. because because there's going to be a great many of people that go to this film, they don't know the trueness of that man's story.
0: They've never spoken to someone who's gotten out of prison.
1: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. They've never spoken to anyone who's gotten out of prison. Um, it, well, they've never... They, they've, yeah. They've never spoken to a black man that's gotten out of prison. Right. That's the difference. Right. He's a black man that got out of prison. Right. He's a black man that, you know, uh, was not guilty for what he went to prison for. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and that is, unfortunately, just like this love story a tale as old as time. <sighs> yeah, yeah, and um, and then it just sets you up for the ending of this film, which is is another just kicking the teeth. But it 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 left me wanting to praise this film. Yeah, but also a little bit mad at this film. Right. Because primarily because honestly. I feel that this is a film that I feel people should see, but I know it's a film that a lot of people are not going to see
0: because of the end.
1: Well, because I don't yes, because I don't I don't I don't think I think the end of this film does not lend itself to it developing a strong a, a, like a, a a strong word of mouth because because it, it, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I think of this movie, and then think, oh man, there are people that I know should see this film, right. right? But then I immediately think about who I'm going to tell about this film, right? Who I'm going to tell, like, yo, y'all you know, I know I need to go see this film. And there's certain one, certain people that I know, who I'm going to tell, like, I know, I need to go see this film. They're going to run and see it. They're really going to appreciate it, right? And then there are other people that I'm going to tell to go see this film, they're not going to appreciate it. They're not going to appreciate some of the deliberateness of the direction. Sure. They're not going to appreciate that they're, you know, for the most part, this is a talky movie. There's not action Mm -hmm. in this film. They're not going to appreciate the either the love story. They may not even have an appreciation for the drama of the story of the story and they there are some that are going to be left kind of cold because because of the ending because it is like I said it's a very sobering end, right. ending. It is not an uplifting No. ending. It's not an uplifting film.
0: No. Um well the ending's not uplifting. Right. Yeah. Uh
1: which which to your point there are aspects of it that are very uplifting but if, it define, if, if the landing is not, then you can't really say it's an uplifting film. It, 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 that would be my defense. And, and my thing is that there are people that I know who, if I tell them to see that, they're going to come out, they're not going to help spread the word. Well,
0: frankly, I think this film is bigger than spreading the word in 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 box office. I mean, obviously... Any film, you know, show business is business Mm -hmm. and you want the film to succeed financially. Right. But much like the first time I saw Daughters of the Dust, much like I saw the first time, you know, the first time I saw Eve's Bayou, Mm -hmm. the first time I saw Do the Right Thing, Mm -hmm. the first time I saw Moonlight. Mm -hmm. This is a film that is going to transcend box office. Like, this is a film that people are going to be talking about 50 years from now. And certainly, when you talk about it, how much money did the film generate? You know, this, I mean, again, man can, you know, you, you got to eat. You're right. So, I'm not trying to dismiss that. But I think one of the great things that comes out of the success of Moonlight, both critically and commercially, is that Barry Jenkins had the space to make a film like this. Yes. And frankly, when you talk about the ending, I, I think, I, I think the bad part is it's a happier ending than the one in the book. Oh, see, I have not read the book right. I just read it. Like, I, I just reread If Beale Street Could Talk just because I watched the movie. mm and I think first and foremost, the partnership of Barry Jenkins as a filmmaker and James Baldwin's words mm-hmm. is 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 perfect. It's flawless. I never would have thought of it, but I guess that's why I'm not Barry Jenkins. Okay. And so much of the language in the film- Is pulled from the book? Comes directly from the book. Okay. And it's this beautiful prose- that almost becomes poetry. Mm. And I think the aspect of the film that I, I I would argue that's, you know, talking about how uplifting it is or is not it, it it this is maybe a a conversation this film prompts that's more important than that. The fact that when the film begins, Fonny is in prison. The book begins like that, too. Like, so when you start this story, you know, in a lot of ways where it's headed. Right. True. So it's almost fatalism. But there is this, and and I said when we were talking about it a little bit before the the episode last week, or or like the last episode, or the week before last when we were talking about when we went to the premiere. There is this real fragility and this real delicacy to black life and black love. Mm, mm -hmm. That's, that's just our lives. Like, 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 like when you are black, your life, not your like life, your literal life, but your life, the life that you live can go through upheaval very quickly. Right. Almost by a whim, which is what happens with this. Yes. Like, like, you know, everything is upended because of this chance encounter with this policeman. Yes. You know, there's no grand conspiracy. There's no huge intricate plot. It's just the wrong day and the the, the capricious nature of this person who has this immense power over you. Right. So when you start there, and you understand that everything that you're about to see is going to end in one way or another with Fonny in a cage, it does lend this uh, again, I I keep going back to fragile and delicacy and, and the beauty of that. It's almost like when you blow bubbles hmm. with the child, and 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 the child catches the bubble, mm-hmm. like you know how you blow the bubble through the little s- stick, yeah. and then you catch the bubble, yeah, and the light catches the bubble, like yeah. the light shines through the bubble, and it's beautiful. But part of the reason it's so beautiful is that you know it's only a matter of seconds, right, before that bubble bursts, right. So that you appreciate that moment, and to me, this whole film is like that bubble. Like, like Barry Jenkins captures this split second before the bubble burst. Mm. Beginning with, as you said, the, this beautiful crane shot where, where you see this couple who, who, who are in the midst of, of that magical moment of young love. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the, one of the, actually they're
1: going over the threshold of young love into like the real, right. Stuff.
0: Adult love. Yeah. And, you, you know you talk about Barry Jenkins as a craftsman he utilized the um utilized the in in terratron in terratron, which is is this this way of filming where where the actors look directly at the the camera mm-hmm. and it's something that you know I read I think Errol Morse I don't know if Earl, he, Morse. Earl Morse I don't know if he invented it, but he used it for doc. he uses it for documentaries but Barry Jenkins uses it to really get this intimate effect, yeah, where you are looking into the eyes of of these two, and you know, and Fani is beautiful. Yeah. Like when they show Fani, and and you know, and they show Fani's lips, mm-hmm. and they show Fani's nose, yeah, and and you know, there's a and most- they show it when Tish is commenting. On noticing, on note how beautiful exactly. He is. So you're yes. seeing it through Tish's yes. eyes. How yes. beautiful Fani is when Fani works with wood, mm-hmm. and he's beautiful. And and then Tish, besides all of that, where they focus on Tish's physical body, I love the the choice of of wardrobe mm-hmm. where Tish wears this sweater or this jacket. Where it's I think it, it's almost an in, remember we were talking about inverse. Um capes. Yes, it is. That's sh- how she wears Holmes. it. Yeah, she wears it, and she has her hair pulled back in a bun mm-hmm. that kind of poofs out in the back. Yeah, it's an afro. The cape has the effect of wings, and the afro puff looks like a halo. Wow, I hadn't seen that. So she yeah. actually yeah. looks like an angel. Yeah, and you have these beautiful people that are in love with each other. And again, you know that this moment is going to pass. Like, you know, the bubble is going to burst yeah. because that's how the story starts. And for me, that makes it even more beautiful. Talked about the performances. I can't add any, I, I mean, this th- from top to bottom, yeah, from man. top to bottom, these are magnificent performers. Um, Again, I have nothing to add. You, you know, I talked about a little bit more. Uh, Coleman Domingo actually took my breath away. Mm-hmm. Like he took my breath away. Something you didn't mention that that you know talking about this whole package, if you will, the score. Oh. The score and the soundtrack by Nicholas Breitel... Yes, who is a composer? He's he's been the composer not only for this. He was the composer for Moonlight as well. Hmm. Hmm. I've not stopped listening to it. Yeah, because you know I bought it and and it's and and it is it's this beautiful symphonic the strings the in strings it. so that again you keep going back to these words like heavenly yeah. and angelic yeah. and frankly. It is a depiction of black life that you do not see, mm-hmm. that we do not see. And again, I think what makes what, what, what makes Baldwin and Jenkins such a great partnership is that when you look at their body of work, I mean, in Barry Jenkins' case, you have the two films, Medicine for Melancholy and Moonlight. Both of them really do. They approach black life as if it was sacred, as if it was delicate, as if it was something transcendent. But again, what is sacred and what is delicate and what is so transcendent about it is the fact that we live in this world where it can be disrupted. You know, immediately, I, I think the saddest thing when, when, you, you know, when, when Brian Tyree Henry's character Daniel talks about being railroaded and, and, you know, what happens with the policeman with Fonnie, I have to say, because I hadn't reread the novel when I saw the movie, at first I didn't trust Barry Jenkins, where I thought, you know, a lot of this sounds like modern touches okay you know when when, you know you talk about the you you know by the end he takes a plea Mm -hmm. because they've moved the court dates around so much and you know you're just going to be in jail indefinitely Mm -hmm. and this sounds like something that that you you know michelle alexander was talking about in the new jim crow a few years ago and i really did think oh these are modern touches that he added to it Mm -hmm. but that's all in the novel yeah like we've been talking about the same bullshit for 30 40 50 years. Yep. So that again this whole touch of of the DA's office covering for this policeman. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ed Screen as a police policeman. Oh, he's great. I mean, shout out to um who the the lawyer? No, no, not Ed Screen. You I'm talking about the I'm thinking about the um actors outside of of the family. Yeah. Diego Luna mm-hmm. as as you know he's he's the head waiter yep. at this restaurant and he's fantastic he's in there and you blink he's in there for a moment and he's not even on it's so funny you look at the cast list and he's um not in the in the main cast Dave Franco yeah Dave Franco gets one scene. As the landlord. As the landlord. And he's great. And and you see, you know, talking about delicacy, like in the midst of all of this racism, in the midst of all, like these moments of simple human kindness. Yes. Have all the effect in the world. Yeah. And I think the end is sobering. And the end is, is 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 frankly sad because you think about where the film begins with these two young lovers and these two you know angelic figures and then when the film ends you know a few years have passed frankly and you know talking you can tell talking about the acting of tish of um kiki lane and steven james they appear to have aged yes and it's not because of makeup because you know they're not that much older you know they're maybe five six years older, but they've aged. Yep, and you can see it in their eyes, and you can see it in their bodies, and you can hear it in their voices, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately the sad part. But again, back to what I said initially: what makes this ending and this depiction of this story more important is that it's 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 documentation, and and much like like you you said when when you. We're talking about um, Brian Tyree Henry, basically monologue. Yeah, Yeah. You know, it's like a 15 minute monologue where he talks about the hell of prison. There are a lot of people who, you know, when we talk about prison, when we talk about over policing in this country, when we talk about all of those things, it's abstract. Exactly. You know, it's abstract. Like there are many, 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 many people in this country who don't personally know someone Mm -hmm. who has been to prison, rightly or wrongly, Mm -hmm. frankly. Mm -hmm. And then they've come out and see how that has changed them. Yeah. There are people in this country that don't understand how precarious black life is. Again, not your life between life and death, but life as in just living your life. Yep. And in a matter of moments, it can all change, whether you did something or not. And while it is beautiful, this is also insightful. And it is, you you know, again, back to Baldwin and Jenkins as partners in this. I I think they have this wonderful combination of depiction of beauty and anger Mm. at what happens to this beauty. So that it's it 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 is. I said. I mean, this is this is a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece. This this is master filmmaking right here. And and in my mind, you know, you know, Barry Jenkins is three for three. Like like I th- I, th- I thought Medicine for Melancholy was amazing. I thought Moonlight was was transcendent. And and now you have If Bill Street Could Talk. And you uh, yeah yeah and and it's amazing it's an amazing amazing film
1: yeah it 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 is it it really is one of those movies where
0: like it's just
1: like a plus a plus a plus a plus all across the board Speaking of the sobering detail about this film, there's actually two things that are very sobering. And it, it, it makes sense that for a lot of, you know, Black people that are going to watch this film, you know, the the Brian Tyrese Henry story, Daniel's story, the character Daniel's story, um, and how this, fit, where this film leaves you is going to hit you over the head mm-hmm. uh, because we all know tales of guys that have had to take pleas right for basically things that they didn't do right. and and what that means for their life and and for these for th- for these characters is especially because you know the whole movie while you are you're expecting <coughs> you're hoping that you know okay like you said it starts it starts with him in in prison well you're hoping that the movie is just going to lead to you know present day He's getting out of prison. Hmm. Or or present day you're learning that he's going to be getting out of prison or whatever. Right. Uh, but when you come upon a moment when you are, you know, the movie starts with the revelation that they're pregnant, and then the next thing you know, the you see their uh spoiler alert, their child getting candy, you know. And running back to a table, it's like, oh well, some time has passed, right? Uh, and then when you realize where they are, yeah, and you realize that time has passed and circumstances have not much changed, right? For lack of a better word, um, that is really sobering. And then the movie doesn't even it it doesn't let you off the hook of, of that at all by giving you any type of detail as to what's going to happen next. There's a hint of it and then you're just sitting there on the precipice waiting for like, oh they're going to at least tell us, you know, what's to come. No, they don't. You know like when, the, you know spoiler alert, when is he going to get out? Right. You don't know. His son knows and he and he tags it every place that he goes, which I thought was just like a really smart just touch. Yeah. Of um you know uh um one just of it was a touch of being you know honest with your child, this was a young child, a young boy, and you're just being honest with him and and, and giving him an appreciation of time, the time that is past, the time that is that that is to come, uh and then as they sit there is even more sobering because you don't know when this is going to change but you also know that whenever it changes and Fani gets out that the trial has only really just begun with their life. Exactly. Because you know, because now he's got to deal with being an ex-con.
0: He's a convicted felon. He's a
1: convicted felon. With
0: maybe a high school degree.
1: Right. You know what I mean? And Um, we're coming
0: up on the 80s.
1: Exactly. And, you know, and how long has he been away from his art? Does he still have that same appreciation for it? Right. That, you know, is it still the saving grace for him that it was? You also have to deal with, you know, what have these years, this prison done to Tish? Right, because she has been a prison of her own. Yeah, you know, so so that that is the story yet to come, and that's a, 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 the, 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 the aspect
0: of the sobering ending. But but you know, I, I think there's a part of it talking about whether it's sobering or not, where you hope they're going to overcome this. Oh yeah, you do, well, because certainly. they've overcome so much, and that's still and there. Frankly, we've overcome so much. Right, 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 and and you know, even within the film, like like we've talked about. Coleman Domingo and, and you know I think I mentioned it when I talked about it last time you know there's a scene where Coleman Domingo's character is talking to Michael Beach's character and at some at one point Michael Beach's character talks about the fact that they don't have any money like we don't have the money to do this and Coleman Domingo's character look we've never had money. When have you had money? Like you, we've never had money we've never had anything but somehow we make it work we were talking about um devil in a blue dress mm. a couple of weeks ago and and walter mosley and besides easy rollins he has another series and i just forgot the character's name there's actually an hbo movie oh, really? with, with Lawrence fishburne who plays the character i'm thinking about but the collection of short stories about the character was called always outnumbered always outgunned and that's just being black you never have any money. Yep. You're always outnumbered. Yeah. You're always outgunned. And yet, somehow, we make it work. So that, yeah, Fani is, you know, going to get out of prison at some point. He's an ex con. Maybe he graduated from high school. I don't know. Tish has, you know, has graduated from high school. They've been apart all these years. When you do the, the math, there's no way that this should work, right? And yet, somehow, mm-hmm. we make it work. So it's sobering, but you know,
1: uh, just to, to to touch on that, uh, the always outnumbered uh, Walter Mosley series features the character. Socrates Fortlow.
0: Socrates Fortlow.
1: Yeah, that's a Walter Mosley name.
0: Socrates Fortlow. You know, you're always outnumbered. You're always outgunned. And as Coleman Domingo would say, we ain't never had any money. And then he has the quote. It's the it's the most beautiful quote, and it's actually directly from the book, where he says, so drink up and get in, because we got shit to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I did. I told you, and I sat in the mood. Like, I actually, I gasped, because I said, that's the most black man thing I've ever heard in my life. Like he just summed up black manness. We don't have anything. We don't do you know, we there are no resources. We got to figure this out. So cause they're drinking. You know, having mean? so drink up and get in. Cause we got stuff to do.
1: That's black man stuff. That's also black father. Yeah. That's black daddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that that's daddy. You know what I mean? because that's my baby girl
0: that's just that's, that's my baby the girl baby. we we're going to have to make it happen he
1: actually says we got to we got to free these babies that's right the other aspect of it that is is sobering though that I wanted to touch on was um the reality of regina kings her 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 character i want to get her mother the mother's name uh sharon her is it sharon mhm her visit to puerto rico yeah, to talk to the character Victoria Rogers, played by Emily Rios, um, the 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 victim. Uh, basically, you know, by this point, you, you you've seen it. You know, Fonny is falsely accused of raping this Puerto Rican woman. Yes, in in New York, who after basically being coerced by the police to name Fonny as right. the as the
0: because she was actually raped. Yes, she was raped. Yeah.
1: Um. She after naming Fonny, she basically leaves. Yeah. New York goes to Puerto Rico because she just she doesn't feel safe being in, um, New York in, anymore. Uh, and you get like you know some, a, a quick glimpse into how she got to New York. She basically some some white guy married her. Right. Brought her to New met her. Brought her to New York gave her three babies and then broke up with her. Right. And now she's in New York with these three babies. And you know, just trying just basically trying to live her life. And yes, she is she is raped. And and Sharon Regina King they find her in Puerto Rico um and basically her mission is to go there and to get her to, you know, come back with her and basically say I was wrong. This is this is not the person that raped me, right? And her story is: I chose the man who they they told me
0: to choose. Yeah,
1: she realizes that maybe it it may not have been that guy, but there is also a fact of the of the matter that she rightfully picks out that Tisha's mom Sharon can't can't recognize because she's never been in this in this situation. Right. Because she's called it like I know when a woman has been raped. You have never been raped. Right. She doesn't want to relive it. Exactly. She does not want exactly. to relive it. Could I have been wrong? I don't know,
0: but I want it to be over.
1: I want it to be over. Yeah. I am here. I am I am done and and you feel for her because you feel for Sharon wanting to save Fani but you also feel for this woman. I don't want to go there anymore. Well,
0: again, if this is not some huge, you know, draconian plot where, you know, the woman has lied. And right. Say, no, it's, it's it, you, you know, this policeman has twisted this, real situation around Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care about catching the real rapist no he doesn't care that this woman has actually been raped he's just gotten it in his head that he's going to get funny so life ain't it a (laughs) but this movie is not this movie is
1: um well well, okay but okay but that's my that's my thing though i
0: I feel people should see it, but I know... (sighs) I absolutely think people should see it. And again, I I think the end, they're still together. Yeah. I mean, they are still together. Yeah. Which, again, it's a happier ending than the book. Because the book is just open-ended. Oh, wow. You know, there's no resolution at all. Wow. He's just in prison and the baby is born.
1: Well, then in in this case, then, do you think that the movie uh uh is maybe the superior to the book a a superior a better experience
0: no because the book goes I mean it's a book yeah so, it's so it goes deeper so much deeper mm-hmm. and and you know baldwin like like I said at the very beginning Baldwin's prose is 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 just poetry. I hear you. So,
1: but do you feel like you know the characters any less?
0: No, I don't. I don't. I I I think I know the characters just as well, but but the book you get to know them more. Okay. So you know them as well, but you get to know them more mm-hmm. cuz you get more, you know, you get more of it. Well, then I mean like I don't
1: so it's going to so the book is
0: just going to like like the movie is a kick in the gut. Oh, the book's definitely a kick in the gut.
1: It sounds like it's more like a couple of yeah. a couple of And the
0: hooks. book is um a bit more overtly angry.
1: Okay. Well that sounds like Jane Baldwin. Yeah,
0: ball, yeah, Baldwin, you know. Yeah. Baldwin gets angry. That righteous indignation.
1: Well, he is not your Negro.
0: <laughs> exactly. But um so yeah. So would you recommend if Wheel
1: Street? I would recommend it. I would. I, I would heartily recommend it. I. I. I would recommend it.
0: Like a, <sighs> it's a kick in the gut. I think that's.
1: See, here's the, here's my thing. I can judge a lot of movies that I see by whether or not I would recommend it to my two sisters. Sure. And I. I always want to be able to recommend movies to both of my sisters. I don't think there's one of one of my sisters. I don't think is going to like this movie.
0: Okay.
1: I don't th- I don't think she's gonna receive it. Her and her husband are gonna receive it the the way that I think is intended. And 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 I think it's a shame. And I could be wrong. So okay. yes, I would recommend it to them, but I don't know. I may have to take them. Okay. That's fair. I may have to take them. But yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. I think people should see this. It's funny. Um I had already selected the movie and yeah. I hadn't told you yet. Yeah. And I was picking up my phone to tell you. Mm-hmm. And bef- and I noticed that I had a text that I must have missed on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it was from uh, Char- uh, uh, Charlene Griffith, who, who was a yeah, guest yeah, of ours yeah, in yeah. the early yeah. days and is, and is eager to return. To yeah, E-S3. yeah, yeah.
0: What's up, Charlene?
1: And uh, Charlene, uh, and it was from her, and I looked at the text, and the text was, Go see Beale Street.
0: There you go. Yeah,
1: it was funny. It was yeah. Like we hadn't even like chatted in a minute, and it was just one line. Go see Bill Street.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I will. I will echo her. You absolutely have to see this film. Yeah, you absolutely have to see this film. And I think this film solidifies Barry Jenkins as a master filmmaker. And we are. I mean, I mean, we're in the midst. Of watching, watching something special when yeah. you're talking about the development of an artist. Mm. I mean, we really, really are. So you absolutely have to go see if Bill Street could talk.
1: I wouldn't mind. I mean, it's only three, we're talking only three movies into his filmography. Absolutely. Right. And three sensational films. Yeah. However, I wouldn't mind seeing him take on maybe a different type of film.
0: It's so funny you should say that. First of all, he's in the midst right now of adapting um I think Colson Whitehead's book, Underground Railroad for Amazon. Okay. Which is is sort of fantasy, magic realism-y type thing. Okay. And he actually was. He he said in an interview that came out the day that we taped that he he would like to do a science fiction film. Okay, so he yeah. he definitely wants to do different things.
1: Yeah, I I would be interested to see his take on uh, on a more genre centric type of film, much in the way that uh, Steve McQueen, you know, takes on the whole heist film. Right, Widows.
0: right. Well, apparently in this um. Interview. He name checks, and I just forgot the director's name. His name is his name's on the tip of my tongue? But he directed Arrival. Oh, and he directed um, and he and he's doing Dune now. Mm. And you know, just you know, really visionary director, and and he's making science fiction because it's he, he directed Arrival and something else that's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, that- Den- Dennis uh Villanueva. Right, he did Arrival and he did a Blade Runner, right? Twenty Forty Nine, two films that I enjoyed a great deal. I did enjoy Arrival. That are you know, quote unquote, science fiction, mm-hmm. but you know, clearly a visionary. Mm-hmm. So Barry Jenkins, uh, name checking him and and saying that he also would like to do science fiction, I would I I, I would very much like to see Barry Jenkins do science fiction. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so I I'm I'm I'll be interested in that as well. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh two thousand nineteen. Off to a great start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we tell you what's happening next week, we invite you to um, you know, hey, like a show.
0: Should, <laughs> we, should we announce the musings? So you announce it? Do you wanna announce it? I think we can I'd like to, you know, get it on record. This is the first Okay. Well, well we have an announcement ladies we and gentlemen. We do have an announcement. <laughs> Go ahead, Vince, take our, it away. I will. So as many of you know our, are dare I say our favorite part of of this podcast experience has been interacting and, and talking with the missionaries and 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 certainly we've you know, we talk about the conversations that we have, but both Lynn and I have fantastic conversations with people that we've met through this podcast, um, both online, both offline, through the Facebook group, through, you know, the Twitter and what has always been fascinating to me is just how much people know about stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's that. The other thing is, 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 you know, we love the, um, the binge lounge. We do. And as you notice, you know, Lynn and I, have many, 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 many things that we're interested in that aren't directly attached to the the conversation around black film. Yes. Combining those two facts, we're going to announce it that on our website we we're going to start having some writing. Yes, we're going to have a blog on our website, kind of blog and a series of articles, and you know, call it Mission Musings. Ooh. I'll be writing them. So it'll be bi weekly. And initially, I will write them or write them. You know, we write about, you know, for instance, um, you know, I have some ideas already, you know, talking about the making of, of the Trouble Man soundtrack. Mm. Well, you know, I was thinking about we, we, if we had started this earlier, there's a history of Spider Man, the character Spider Man, and, and being black before Miles Morales. Yeah. You know, talk about that black cartoons, if you will. Uh, the first thing that 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 the Mission Musings will discuss will be an appreciation of the Popeye's chicken lady.
1: <laughs> and we're not talking about olive oil.
0: No, 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 no. We're talking about the love that chicken at Popeye's black love lady. Love
1: that chicken at Popeye's.
0: So really it, it'll be a place where it'll be an intersection of pop culture and race
1: know. Oh, sounds really dope. And that's going to be our new blog, Mission Musings. Uh, look for that to debut sometime in February. Sometime
0: in February. Now, here's the really exciting part. Because they are musings, I won't be doing a no whole lot of research. Like I told myself I'm going to do an hour. Like, you know, this isn't going to be hard journalism. So I'll do an hour, Yeah. look up some stuff, and then just sort of write these musings. The aspect of our conversations that I enjoy the most is getting feedback Mm -hmm. so that we will update these columns, these articles, this blog in real time. Yeah. We'll attribute and so that much like what we've talked about is the strongest part of this podcast, it will be communal. Yes. And like a lot of
1: the people's favorite blogs each of the um entries will have a section where you can leave your own comments and a right. lot of times a lot of times that's where a lot of that back and forth exactly. and updating becomes and, and that that entry that article starts becomes a a dialogue
0: exactly you know um and just another place for us to you know commiserate which leads to the second part We'd like for other people to write, too. We
1: certainly will.
0: We are opening this up.
1: But not just yet. So hold not your just pens, yet. Maurice and Chris and Robert. You know exactly which who I'm talking to.
0: But those are the kind of people that we're talking about. Though. Yes. Like, like, like we get these wonderful emails and these wonderful messages with all this wonderful information. Mm-hmm. Let's really document it. Yeah, let's document it. Let's really document it. So- Mission musings coming in February coming in February to the Michelle to mission. the Michelle Mission so you'll be able to look
1: for that on our website michmission.com where you will will soon become the only places you can find each and every episode of the Michelle mission outside of podglomerate our home uh, uh, where we sit there with some beautifully curated podcast just for you um we're going to slowly be uh removing a lot of our podcasts from uh from soundcloud uh just for space rec- uh, space consideration um but the all of our episodes will still be there on the me show mission right there for your uh for you to check out ladies and gentlemen. Um, Also, we ask each and every one of you to, you know, if you like our show, you know, you can check us out. Become a a member of our Facebook group, Michelle Mission. Become one of the missionaries where we have a lot of fun conversations as well. Like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well as on Facebook at Michelle Mission. And if you really want to help the Michelle Mission, me and Vince have gone back and forth about whether or not we wanted to start a Patreon. A couple of people have... Um, suggested to us to start start like a Patreon account so that you know people can like donate towards the show and and things like that and we've been hesitant on doing that primarily for a couple of reasons one uh, because you know the time time consideration but primarily because we both kind of like just like the aspect of the show being just you know an enjoyable free exercise for all of you. And we don't want... We don't want to start having to like you know, you know like oh we wish we could get more patrons and all that type of stuff and we, we, we don't want to go there. We like giving y'all extra stuff because we just like we just like talking. Thankfully, we like each other, <laughs> so we don't mind getting together and talking for even extra hours of about Star Trek Discovery and binge lounging and and stuff like that. There, so we're not really gonna do. We're not going to do any type of. Patreon type of thing. However, people have talked to us about how the, how could, they can help us. And I can tell you exactly how you can help us. This is the biggest way that you can help us. Go to iTunes. If you follow us on iTunes, if you don't follow us on iTunes, iTunes is the biggest aggregator of podcasts. SoundCloud is great, and there's other podcast catchers out there, and Stitcher Radio and all that. That's really groovy and it's fantastic. And if you like and follow us on there, that's lovely. We really appreciate it. We know we have a lot of followers on Stitcher. Um, but iTunes, that's where the that's where people go. And the more you are you Pop in iTunes. The bigger and better your podcast will do out there in the podcasto sphere. So if you really want to help us, go to iTunes. Get all of your friends that ha- that have iTunes accounts. Go there, look up the Michelle Mission, and give us a ranking or a rating. A uh, uh, a ranking is great, but a rating and a little review is even better that really you do not know how much that helps our show um grow and puts it out there in front of more and more people's eyes so they can find this this what to now is pretty much a hidden treasure that we like to think of as a show mission so shout out in that regards to uh say i got it who on January 2nd gave us our first review of 2019. Oh,
0: thank you. A
1: whole lot of fun. These two men have wonderful chemistry. Their guests are lovely and move and move against popular media stereotype. The broadcast is refreshing, funny, and sometimes informative. The scope of work is a large undertaking that has been long in coming. Kudos. The show has an original looseness that allows the audience to enjoy people who enjoy one another for about a half an hour before they arrive at the intended subject. The Michel Mission. Mich- oh, that is so true. <laughs> where do you hear this one. Uh, the Michelle Mission is the perfect antidote For the yucky selective memory of the American Film Institute. All right, well,
0: thank you.
1: I like that. That hey, say I got it. You got it, indeed. Thank you very much. So it's ratings and rankings and reviews like that that the biggest way that you can help me and Vince. So I ask of all of you if you could do that. If you haven't done it. Please do it. If you know someone that's got iTunes, tell them to do it. Check us out. Um, that'd be great. You can find our show via, you know, MichelleMission.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, all those good places on PodGlomerate. You can check us out. Our show is also available in a a truncated, edited form on FCC-friendly radio stations here in Philadelphia on Saturdays at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media. And Monday mornings, you can spend your Monday mornings with Me Show, 9 a.m. on WKDU, 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Next week, here on the Me Show Mission. Toya Haynes, very local uh, media darling, will be joining us to settle an age-old argument that has been going on for more than two years here (laughs) on the Michaud Mission. We will finally have the definitive answer of who. Is a better hip-hop duo. Oh, my goodness. Nice and smooth. Here we go. Or Kid and Play. When Toya Haynes joins us to review Kid and Play Uh. in House Party.
0: Wow. There you go.
1: I cannot wait.
0: And neither can I.
1: And that'll be coming your way next week. All right. On the Misho mission, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Wow, it is late. This is a long show. Yes. But it's been three weeks. Yes, it has. It's been a long time. That's right. It's been a long time. So are you not
0: entertained?
1: (laughs) He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say.
0: We'll see you when it's time to meet again.